welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink about their favorite cozy murder mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Malshausen. And we have some corrections to make. Yes, I have a correction to make, and I apologize. Um, uh, the Midlands and the home countries are two different places. The home counties, even. Um, the home <laughs> counties are the suburbs around London. And the Midlands are the Midlands of England. They're in the middle, hence the Midlands. <laughs> and um, Rupert Graves is from the Midlands, hence his charming accent. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Yes, um, they're uh, they're the fairly country accent of England, and I say that in the nicest way possible. I feel like that's like one of the most pleasant English accents, actually. It is. Um, the funny thing is, we tend to think, we being Americans, and most anyone who's not English, tend to think that English accents in general are nice, but in England, northern accents are seen as most trustworthy, the midland accents are seen as the most comforting and the most homey, like you want your gran to have a midlands accent, if not a Scottish accent, and, <laughs> and the southern accents are the least trustworthy, the London accents. Because they sound a bit, um, you know, chavish, or a bit like, who was the villain in all the twist? That dude. So. Oh, oh, um, Fagin. Yeah, they sound a bit Fagin. And so, people tend to not trust Southern accents. We don't hear that. I have a London accent with Northern tweaks. It's actually quite, and it is quite posh, but that's not my fault. Um, <laughs> but but would you have it any other way? Yeah, true. So I have a bit of a posh accent with northern tendencies because my late boyfriend was from New Yorkshire, born mm. and bred. So, and uh, my favorite actor is Sean Bean. So I picked up a lot of his voice too because I've literally seen and heard everything he's ever been in, ever. And it, I find it, so I know for a fact I do a lot of that vocal creep, right? And I, I I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people do this, but like, I, it's very obvious when I do it too. Because I mean, I'm from the Midwest, which is a very flat accent with a mm-hmm. little, but, I, but I'm from Kansas Midwest, not like, mm-hmm. not like Minnesota or anything like that that tends to go very nasal. Yeah. But I have watched enough hockey and been around enough of those people that now I say Minnesota mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but also I lived in Texas for a very long time. So like I have earned every inch of drawl in my voice. And it's, <laughs> it definitely comes out. But I also do it specifically when I'm angry. <laughs> oh. Or when... Um, I'm trying to get someone to do something for me. I'll go a lot more Southern. Well, here in America, there are two things that we see Southern accents as. It's either very, um, very stupid or very charming. And people are immediately charmed by Southern accents. Most of my students have a Southern accent. They don't hear it, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're Georgia. Um, and... And when they ask me to imitate it, they're like, we don't, we don't sound like that. And I'm like, no, you really do. I'm just slowing down my accent and that's where it comes from. So, 
Yeah. It's, so it's very interesting. Like, but um, I find southern accents, depending on what is being said by that accent, very charming. If they're having an intelligent conversation, it's great. If they're like shouting racist slurs, not so pretty. But that that's that's every accent. I was gonna say. <laughs> so, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking. Now this is a um I don't keep alcohol in the house very much. It took me like a very long time from our last podcast to finish um the Camilet. And today I had to run to the shop and pick up a bottle of wine and it took me longer than I'm like to admit to find one. But I'm drinking a smoking loon. Smoking loon is a um California and it's called the Steelbird, which is an unoaked Chardonnay. Um, huh. So it's 2016. That's what I'm drinking. I am drinking also a California wine. Uh, this is Orleans Hill, and it is made with organic grapes. It is a 2016 Syrah. Uh, I've not had a Syrah in a minute. Uh, so I feel like Syrah had its moment. And then, like, faded, but, like, there are good Syrahs out there, but everyone was drinking it, like, what, a year or two ago? <laughs> and it was, like, Syrah and Sancerre. Syrah for the red and Sancerre for the white. And it exploded, and everyone was doing it. And now it's not. <laughs> Which is fine, because it means it's cheaper, like, Sancerres are cheaper now. But, like, it's, it's weird. It's weird how wine goes in and out of... Fashion just like black women in France. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm supposed to transition into into what we're talking about today. But are you ready to get into it? Yes. So today we're talking about Midsummer's Murders, Season 1, Episode 4, Faithful Until Death. Another another one directly from the books. All the yeah. the only books that um Calogram wrote were the series one and not even all of them but all the series most of the series ones were directly from the books and then they just spun off from there so i noticed this one had a new director so we have never had this guy direct so far that we have watched mm -hmm. and we also have a new writer and i think that both of those things played heavily into uh today's episode because we just get like right into it. Like normally there's like a cold open type scene yeah. that we've seen in all other, all three other ones. And this mm. one just goes right into it. So we're, we're like smack dab in the middle of the Morton Fendel village fate, mm -hmm. which. It's from the French from fete. 100% every time I'm like, that's it. That's a fete. Yes. A fate. What the hell is a fucking fate, guys? Well, they looked at that little um, hat on top of the first E and were like, you, you're supposed to do something with that. Yes, it's supposed to be an S, so it's a fest, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when I'm in England and I hear people say French words wrong, I'm just like, you know, there was a reason that France conquered you <laughs> for 600 years. And you had to go and fuck up the language. Jesus Christ. That's their revenge. Like, forget all the wars. It's that they refuse to say the word fet correctly. Yeah, and, <laughs> and every village has a fate, um, including including Settle. Guys, I don't talk a lot about Settle, but Settle's fate 
is a flower pot painting fate. Um, fate. Fet. Settle? Yes, yeah, Settle. Settle is in North Yorkshire. That's where oh, it okay. from. It's a town okay. called Settle. Like, settle down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, every village has a... Yeah, I know. Every village has a fate, and they do flower pots. Cool. I mean, I guess... Sure. No, they're actually quite creative and, and quite lovely. Um, but it is their big yearly thing. <laughs> well, at this one, um, they were doing... They did a lot of, like, I guess, like, historical stuff. So they had, yeah. like dancers and things like that but i didn't i don't know barnaby got really excited about winning a coconut yeah um yeah Yeah, well it's it's not as if there's a lot of tropical okay so remember that this is the 90s they didn't they didn't import as much which is crazy because they owned half of the tropical islands you would think they would like coconut more we get anything any time of the year in america Mm -hmm. Like, coconuts are not a big deal. But for someone at Barnaby's age, coconuts are a huge deal. You wouldn't see them. That's very fair. That's very fair. And that's why, also why you get grapes when you go to a hospital. What? That's a, what? Yep. That's a thing? Yep, to this day. <laughs> Wait, grapes are like a thing, like a thing thing. Yeah, you bring flowers and grapes. I'm not joking. Okay. I, I know you're not joking. I can tell from the tone of voice. I feel like you'll see. I feel like we'll see it later in any of our cozy mysteries. The ones that are set in England, you'll see grapes being brought. That's so okay. Yeah. That's a tradition I had no fucking clue existed whatsoever. It's one of those things where I didn't know. I've never been in hospital, but we went to visit someone in hospital, and Nathan says, oh, we've got to go pick up grapes. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's something new. Uh, I'm like 16. I don't know what the hell's going on, but okay. <laughs> well, we get the grapes. Fine. So we get immediately introduced to two of the main characters of this episode, um, Alan and Simone Hollingsworth. And Alan Hollingsworth is a five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow I miss you. I love you, that's why I say cheerio, not goodbye. He is. Right off the bat, we get a five British actor. And right off the bat, we see Simone and she's in this like leather jet, like she is bad girl, bad news, Simone off the bat, like just from her styling. Yeah, but she's super cool. Obviously. So cool. She's, she's the tits. And then immediately following that up, you have another five British actor sighting. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow I miss you. I love you, that's why I say cheerio. But this is this one is really meta, isn't it? I guess. Like, remember, Cully's like, "Oh, it's that woman from the," and the woman comes up and she goes, "It's that woman from the film," which is what we've been doing. With <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite meta. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I wasn't even talking about that. I wasn't oh. even talking about Frida. I was talking about Nigel Anderson, the guy uh, who runs the uh, the pub, the local pub. Oh yeah. He has been in um, so many things. He's been acting since I looked him up. He's been acting since 1969. Mm-hmm. 
And I couldn't quite figure out where I recognized him from, but he's a very distinctive face. Like, I knew I knew it. So it was one of those things where I was like, well, so this is this is just chock-a-block full. We got three of the five British actors right away. I know. Um, Roger Alam is in the thick of it. Um, but Yeah, that's he, what I recognized him from. <laughs> uh, his voice is more well-known in England, and he is super well-known for doing cabin pressure with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, he looks better older. Like, <laughs> he aged well, which is rare, but he really did. Yeah, yeah, that is... Uh, I like him, yeah, he's he's more attractive in the thick of it, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. But Eleanor Summerfield, uh, who played Elfrida in this episode, um, this was her last role. Yeah, I remember I it's, saw that. But she has 96 credits to mm-hmm. her name. Uh, first one going all the way back to 1946, which is ridiculous. Good job. Good job. (laughs) And all for the BBC, except this one, which is ITV, but (laughs) (laughs) she needed a better agent. Yes. Um, (laughs) So I was really upset, honestly, with Cully again. In how she approached Elfrida. She's that mutton dressed as a lamb. What the hell, Cully? She's like so judgy. She is. She's a bit judgy, but she's also in her 20s and in university, and we were all like that at university. I know, but that's why I can be mean about it now. This is why when I look back, I downloaded my Twitter history because there was that, oh my god, you shouldn't drag up somebody's Twitter history from 10 years ago. And I'm like, well, you know, don't make sick jokes. Mm-hmm. And so I went to look and I was the most judgmental person ever. Like I was catty and awful 10 years ago, but I didn't say anything like, well, I, I did. I used the word for uh, people with mental challenges way too much the slur for yeah. it way too many times in stupid context I apologize for that I obviously was stupid but I never called someone that I use it as an adjective which is dumb yeah. but like I never called anyone one which is weird anyway so well, I mean, Cully's I- in her 20s she's a bit judgy I think there's a, I think there's a, a point though, even with words like that, which I also had to you know train myself not to use because I grew up using it. Mm-hmm. it there's a point where you realize it's a really really mean and awful thing to call somebody, mm-hmm. and so even if you call a thing like you're not going to hurt a thing's feelings, yeah, if you use it. And so I think there's a point where you recognize that like you maybe don't recognize how hurtful it is to still use the word, but you still recognize that it's not something you should say yeah. to a person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we were, I, I guess that's a fair enough point that we were all terrible in our 20s. We, I was certainly a terrible person in my 20s, but also that's part of why I'm, I'm, I'm just like, ugh, Cully. I'm pretty sure I'm over-identifying with how awful she is sometimes. <laughs> I think Cully just reminded me of all the girls I knew in Cambridge. super loud. Oh, that's my bed. <laughs> that's super loud. <laughs> Sorry, I moved. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she does. So we go straight from uh, winning coconuts and meeting people to a fight in the tent. 
I thought this was a fantastic name. His name is Gray. Yeah. Uh, Gray Patterson uh, trying to punch out Alan Hollingsworth because this project he invested in, which I guess he's turning an old mill into like a craft shop. Yes, a craft center. A craft center. Whatever the hell's. And it's like completely bankrupt. It's like it's going under. And he invested 20 grand into it. And he wants to fight him for it, I guess, in front of God and country and the Barnabies. Yes. Barnaby breaks it up, and this obviously is what sets the wheels in motion. You know, everything's fine. They break up the fight. Fate. Fate. Fate continues. I refuse for your terrible presentation. Fate continues and goes well and... You know, you see all the neighbors talking about it and, like, everybody gets invited down to the pub for a drink. And this is where we see Simone's pants. There we go. (laughs) Like, there is nothing that spells trouble more than a woman in tight leather pants. Right. Right. My high school was a fine arts academy. And one day to school, I snuck it out. I wore a different outfit. And I changed at school. I wore a fuzzy zebra shirt and leather trousers. You can tell we went to the school in the 90s. No, this was in 2000 and something. Oh my god, Brina. I know. With Though the- I really have very little room to talk because uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, and my mom totally thought these were the coolest pants, she let me wear them, no problem. I found a pair of pants in a thrift store that were basically plastic. (laughs) And they were lined on the inside with some sort of fabric, but they were plastic pants. And they were like swirly uh, black and blue and kind of a little bit of sheen to them, had a texture to them. I thought they were the fucking coolest. Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) <laughs> At least I had a color scheme going on. You know. It was black and blue. Uh, and I was wearing with like a black or blue shirt. Like it was fine. I had a color scheme. Black and blue is like the worst color combination though. I hate oh, it. that is not even true. It is. Like it's navy not. blue and black. It's awful. I hate it. No, they're both neutrals. You can wear them together. It's totally No, no, I'm sorry. Yes. No. Yes, you can. Mm-mm. Nope. Podcast over. <laughs> if I if I wear blue dress i absolutely do not wear black shoes see this is how you can tell you were not raised like in america <laughs> you're very very state stated fashion choices no go go bold no. wear a black shoe with your blue dress fuck no it looks I weird it looks weird <laughs> i won't do it i don't like it <laughs> That uh, the Hollingsworths have marital troubles, possibly more than Sabrina and I here on this podcast. Um, and that he like is constantly accusing her of, I guess, sleeping around with Grey. Which, you know, they all are. Yeah. I mean, in the very next scene, we find out that Grey is sleeping with Mrs. Anderson from the pub. But we also find out the reason that we, we find we're over at Grey's house is we have found out that he had tried to bribe George's wife, uh, Grandma Death. Um, who is into... who is younger than Grandpa Death? Much younger. Mm-hmm. She's like half his age younger. 
he had tried to bribe Gram- Grandma Death into like helping out with the mill project, I guess, mm-hmm. and then eventually threatened her about it. Mm-hmm. And so Barnaby and Troy take it upon themselves to uh, to go frighten him a bit. This whole episode was just bad procedure left and right. <laughs> like, oh, I have some notes. <laughs> like this whole episode, I was like, none of this would would play. None of both of you would have lost your jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Grey kind of weasels out a little bit, is is shamed for his little death threat. But he's like, dude, we lost like serious amounts of money and we got conned. Go talk to Alan, but there's no one home. What really has happened is that Simone is gone, but Alan is just like rip roaring drunk. Yes. All up on the couch. Which is which is how you find British people on any given night. Like, I don't know what it is about America and what they think about the Brits, but they the Brits exported like the creme de la creme and then left the bullshit. And I'm like, <laughs> I like I don't know. I think the British might have something to say about that. <laughs> uh, no, but really like, it was all Downton Abbey and upstairs, downstairs and all that. You're starting to get, you know, the real taste of England if you watch, you know, if you watch Netflix and watch all the shows set in London. I don't, like, how is that a genre? Anyway, but <laughs> at the beginning, you exported all the posh kids from Cambridge and Oxford and all their television shows. <laughs> and left us with the dregs, a.k.a. Alan Hollingsworth, face down on his carpet. And so anyway, we go see if Simone's at bell ringing practice. She is not. Bell ringing practice! Bell ringing practice. I know. I know. Do you, do you not understand what you do in a village not to be bored? I was never asked because I'm Muslim, so the people in Settle kind of figured that I wouldn't do well, and I'm like, no, you know, I don't burst the flames upon entering a church. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's that's not my deal. There's an entire Midsummer Murders episode about bell ringing. Yes. British traditions are, they're not as opaque as you might think. You just have to live there for a while, but... When you just present them as something normal, like, oh, she's at bell ringing practice. Anyone else who's not in England would be like, wait, what the fuck? So British traditions just need a little bit of explaining. They're not, they're not weird. Well, they are weird. They're weird. Like, I mean. But John Oliver, bless him, tends, sometimes when he gets British, he has to pull back and realize that he's being British about something and like explain himself. Um, everyone automatically assumes I'm English for obvious reasons, so I have to know all this shit. (laughs) Except where the home counties are. Yeah, except where the home counties are. Not the Midlands. (laughs) So we find out at bell ringing practice, uh, somebody says, I think it's Felicity says, that Simone's visiting her mother. Mm. So then we cut to our next big scene, and Alan is shoveling something in the backyard and brenda from next door brings him a shepherd's pie brenda with the glasses 
or as Simone called her, Miss Droopy Drawers. Oh, poor Brenda. I do like that better than Bouncing Barbara. I do. I do. But it's still awful. It is still awful. Next day, they're still trying to really talk to Simone and Alan. Barnaby and Troy show up again, but they show up at uh, Elfrida's house. Yes. And they find out Simone hasn't got a mother. She died three years ago. The gossip chain continues. Yeah. And Barnaby helps himself to some freshly baked bunny cakes, because that is the name of Elfrida's uh, man friend. <laughs> bunny is such a great nickname. and it's It a, really is. It's a common one in England. What? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. That's a lie. No, I'm not kidding. How many bunnies did you know? Like three. What? Yeah. It's an upper class nickname. Oh my god. Hugh Laurie was called Bunny. What? At, at Cambridge. I didn't go to I didn't go to Cambridge with Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie just happened to go to Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just happened to know that he was called Bunny. Um no, um, the head of the uh, rowing team when I was at Cambridge was nicknamed Bunny. Um, my my second the second my second year professor was nicknamed Bunny, and uh, Nathan's um, Nathan's lieutenant was. I I really, really wish you could see my face right now mm-hmm. because I am staring at your like little <laughs> Skype picture in disbelief. What the fuck? Bunny's a common Bunny. thing. Yeah, I don't know. What? Why? I don't know because it's cute, I guess. I don't... Fucking no idea. Nathan's dead. I can't ask him <laughs> why his <laughs> little Ted was named Bunny. I can't... I don't know Hugh You need Laurie. to hold a rabbit seance here, okay? Yeah, I don't know Hugh Laurie. I can't ask him why they were called him Bunny. It's not short for anything. It's not... It's just what you call people. I... You know, my nickname is Desi. Like Desi Arnaz. Who the fuck came up with... Well, a British guy. But, but like... What the fuck is that? You know? Yeah. British nicknames are, are another tradition. But yeah, bunny. <laughs> the things easier you to stay amused in a village. <laughs> yeah, but no. John Oliver's nickname wouldn't be Johnny. It wouldn't be, you know, Joe. It wouldn't be anything like that. It would be some obscure thing. Something that happened to him in secondary school and just left with him forever and ever. Amen. So yeah. Bunny. I guess. And it's only a man's name. It's not a... Oh, it can be a woman's name sometimes. No! Hmm. I mean, as a Mick nickname, it would probably not be a woman's nickname. No. I don't think it's a woman's nickname. It's a a purely... Which... But we, here in America, bunnies are soft and feminine. Yeah? Well, I mean, maybe it's like a... I don't know. England's fucking weird and the Chardonnay is delicious. (laughs) so they go back over to hollingsworth's house and he's you know soberish i guess at this point and um barnaby insists that troy dig up whatever they saw alan dig 
a whole last night. More, and... more terrible fucking procedure. <laughs> and uh, they find the shepherd's pie pot. And Brenda and... sees it. I know. Poor Brenda. Oh, it broke my heart. Like, I know. Alan is such an asshole, and um, he, Roger Allen plays assholes. Like, that's what he does. Like, he was such an asshole and in the thick of it. He's a, he's a pretty big asshole in fairness, everyone's an asshole and in the thick of it. Very true. There's nobody likable and in the thick of it. There are some really classic lines, but, like, no one's... It's no, like... It's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And, like... It spoke to me on a personal level. Like, <laughs> I dreamt of being a member of Parliament when I went to Cambridge. And, you know, that's what people who go to Cambridge and Oxford do. Mostly Oxford, because they have PPE. But, um, po- uh, politics, philosophy, and economics, I'm sorry. Okay, and, yep, um, yep, there we go. Uh, sorry, I just realized, I was like, most, most of the MPs come from Oxford, not Cambridge. But Cambridge has a better reputation internationally. So, when I went to Cambridge... I went to every political lecture. I I met Boris Johnson, who went to Oxford. Um, um, but that was at a bus stop. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story entirely. I met him when he was the mayor of London. But um, I am Labour till I die, by the way. I'm not trying to name drop Weird, Boris I, Johnson what? because I'm a Tory. We, I'm pretty confident, Sabrina, at this point, people, people might into it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, but like, and Nathan had a spot in the House of Lords. So we would because go, he was one of those, yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the other half. So we would go to Parliament all the time, and he'd be like, that's my seat right there. <laughs> okay. okay. And he'd be like, you posh bastard. I dreamt of being a member of Parliament, and I could tell you, I could even tell you for what, um, where in London I would have been member of parliament, I would have won handily. It's been a late, like, so in the thick of it was like, ah, oh, this is my show. Except <laughs> I definitely would have been in the foreign service, so fuck all of this bullshit. And yeah. So anyway, anyway. So Barnaby manages to intuit uh, that Simone has been kidnapped from Alan's super shady behavior and the fact that they get this phone call when he was drunk that no one was actually on the line for. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, when he tries, when um, Troy called, tries to call back. I wonder what Troy's nickname would have been. Anyway, when Troy tries to <laughs> like, call back and the number's blocked. I bet he would have like some hyper-masculine nickname. No. Some embarrassing nickname from school, and he'd meet up with a schoolmate, and they'd use it. Like something like Pants. Hey, it's Pants Troy. (laughs) It's Panties Troy. Exactly. (laughs) So, from there, from Alan basically refusing their help uh, with the kidnapping, they go to this little town meeting they get wind of. And... The gist of it is that uh, everybody who invested in the mill project is super pissy and wants their money back. And they all think that Gray has been in cahoots to cheat them out of their money because he was the one who convinced them to invest in the project. And 
Barnaby basically stops a mob from going over to Alan's house by telling them that Simone has been kidnapped. It was like pitchforks and fight, and I was like, okay. No, the only mob I ever encountered in Settle was everyone coming to visit. <laughs> well, I mean, you probably didn't steal a lot of money from them. But no, also- it was it was Nathan had just um, updated his wine cellar, and like. Oh. <laughs> Everyone was like, let's go see. And I'm like, no, no, darling, there's things called invitations. He did a charity hunt every year. And actually, the charity hunt is still done every year. Um, so that's when, you know, you pay your fundraising money and then you can come and pretend to live it up in the estate, minus the bin, where I hide for most of the charity hunt. <laughs> um, I'm, it's such a fucking awkward thing. What the fuck? Anyway, mobs, mobs, mobs. When you live in a village, you expect like half the village to come at any given second and to be prepared all the time. So the one thing that I noticed about this was you go outside. There was a nice little pan shot of the outside of the queen's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it, the hostelry. Yes. And the sign was like, you know, parking around back, whatever. But it also said advertised real ales. And I was just like, as opposed to the fake ones, the competition sells. Well, I was like, I know. I that, know there's probably some sort of real traditional thing behind those. But like, well, so. historically, ales could only be made from certain ingredients. So you couldn't call an ale an ale unless it was made from those ingredients. That definition has changed a little bit, so pubs would be like, no, we make, we sell the ales that are made with these ingredients. Oh my god. No, it's the I same, love. it's the same in France, you can't call a champagne a champagne unless it's from champagne. No, I know that, that's different, like, I get it, like, that's the same, actually, that's an international rule, if I, if yeah. I remember correctly, but, like, a real, I get, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense anymore at all. No, but it's probably not fun. <laughs> or it was made to look old, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's I'm pretty confident that was more they were what they were going for, but also it's stupid. <laughs> Which is really how I feel about a lot of this episode. Is I get what you're going for, but also it's stupid. This whole episode Ah this whole episode. If there if if last episode the key word was how subtle everything was and how like there was a lot of depth of character and stuff like that, this one was completely the opposite. Oh yeah, definitely. This one was like hit you in a face in the face with a brick. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of writing they were going for. Mm-hmm. Is we're just gonna smack you with this until you bleed. Yes. And that could be the book's fault, too. Maybe it wasn't her best book. It could be. Like, I, you know, I love Agatha Christie, but there are some that are just like, okay, darling. And, that, and that's fair. Writing is hard. But also, this was not a good... I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah. also... So, Simone has one friend in this entire yes. fucking village uh, that we find out about. Hashtag mood. <laughs> and her name was Sarah Lawton and we find out about her through Felicity we also find out that Felicity's husband, the former secretary of the mill project uh, was a embezzler and got fired from a fucking Tesco 
They're skimming money off the books of the fucking Tesco. <laughs> you had one fucking job. <laughs> uh, and this is the this is the father of Brenda as well. Mm. But because everybody lives on the same fucking street, Troy decides, or Barnaby decides to place Troy in their house because it has the best view of the entire street. Yes. So Troy's like on his, you know, fancy fucking stakeout. And I thought this, this next bit was a clever bit of trickery on Alan's part. Yes. Going into town. Yeah. So Brenda, obviously, we've established that she's very much in love with Alan, tells Alan that they're watching. So Alan, on his cell phone, calls the house and asks to speak to Troy. So Troy leaves his post. Meanwhile, Alan's like, whoop, 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 get in my car, drive away. I, that wouldn't have happened these days. No. They would have just gone straight to cell phone. But I thought it was a very clever use of technology at that point in time. Yes, yes. I, I had a little bit more of esteem for, for Alan after that scene. Mm-hmm. But the reason he needed to slip away was so that he could go drop off his uh, ransom. And we got like a patented Troy chase scene. And Brenda decides to follow him, even after he gives Troy the slip. Yes. And she sees him make the handoff because she's all about like, oh, I can help you, Alan. I love you so much. And... She sees him make the handoff, and she sees who gets the handoff. And so on her way back to Morton Fendel, Brenda is driven off the road and dies. I really think this is one of the most, in this series, is the most horrific death. It viscerally shocked me. And that's weird. But the first three, you know, stabbings... The slitting of the throat was pretty shocking. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. But I like, did appreciate in this one, again, they didn't do like the whole big puddle of blood, whatever. Yeah. What was weird to me is that they showed this dude come down and look at the car. Like mm-hmm. his full on face and everything. I I actually am a sucker for dramatic like irony where we know something that the other, that the people in the show don't know. Or in mm-hmm. the book or whatever. That is that is literally my favorite thing. I feel in cahoots with the director or the author. I love it. I legitimately love it. Like the beginning scene of um, the fourth book of Harry Potter where we see Voldemort coming back to life. And ki- oh, yeah. Like, dramatic irony is like, I love it. That's my favorite bit of storytelling. I don't know why I love it so much, but I really do. So I really enjoyed, like, that we know that, well, Victor, that we know this man is... Vince. Vince, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, Vince is part of it. Like, that we know. It's great. It's great. I actually really quite liked this next scene where they go tell... The family that Brenda's dead. So mm-hmm. Obviously, they find her. I thought this was maybe the only bit of characterization in the entire episode that was really kind of interesting and different. Mm-hmm. And it was all about Felicity, who is kind of a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Like she was the one who asked them to like kind of check up on Reg mm-hmm. um, to see whether he had stolen any money. Yeah, and she was basically like 
stone-faced the whole time they were talking to her about Brenda. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting little bit of interplay between Barnaby and Troy. And because Barnaby was like, well, you know, she could have done it. And she's not particularly upset. And Troy is like, women don't kill their daughters. Like, that's not a thing that happens. And Barnaby is like, oh, Troy. <laughs> like, you, you wish that wasn't a thing that happened. But I thought the choice to make Felicity not involved with her daughter's life, really interesting. And it wasn't in that same way that you get with a lot of, like, tense mother-daughter relationships. But it was very much one of, like... I just don't understand my own child kind of situations versus like I was like a pushy mother or, you know, I was mm-hmm. a selfish mother or anything like that. It was very like she was like, yeah, she was her daughter's kid, like or her, her father's daughter, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I thought that was interesting because you don't see that a lot. And it was pretty much the only interesting character choice they made in this episode. Yeah, true. Character choice, yes. Staging choices, we'll get to them later. So, but, <laughs> um, there were some staging things and some, some quirks in the background that made me, that made me happy. But we'll get to them later. <laughs> so as they're leaving from her house, they just, you know, randomly decide to break into Sarah's house. I told you, know, you it's cool. It's fuck, it's just bad procedure. Left, right, and it's center. It's cool. They got this. Or no, sorry, not Search Allen's house, not Sarah's house. Yes. No, so for this is the first time. I will. So I have multiple notes on this Warren bullshit. So they just break into Allen's house, and mm-hmm. then they find uh, this voicemail from Harry Velicott. They find pictures of Simone. They're doing all this searching without a warrant in his house, and like. I don't know. I wrote that down about the Allen search where they find the pictures of Simone and it's like, obviously she's been kidnapped or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then they leave that and they go literally go right next door and break into Sarah's house. And they literally say, where's Sarah's cottage? Shouldn't we be doing, shouldn't we have a warrant for this? <laughs> they literally say that. Yeah. Of course. Ah! I know. This whole, like, were they to bring this to court, this whole thing is just bloop. So anyway, so Sarah is not home when they break in. They see the pictures of her and Simone on the wall. Very clearly they were lovers. And then, then as she gets home, they come downstairs all nonchalant. And she calls them out on them not having a warrant. Yep. Okay, so here's the thing. I, Nathan never locked his door. He owned the estate, the estate in Settle, and didn't lock his door. I can, I can figure about half the people in the village didn't lock their door. And so, legitimately, when you don't lock your door, you actually don't need a warrant. Like, yeah. you can just walk in. She clearly did, and they clearly broke in through a window. Yeah, they clearly broke in through a window, but I'm just thinking how funny it is that in a village, most people don't lock their doors. To this day, this was... Uh, he still doesn't lock it. I go... I still go... I can still go to that estate. I'm, I'm 100%. I went last year. I'm 100% door that that door was not locked. I've never seen a key. <laughs> 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 I 
makes this even more like this see i was i was like furious in this yeah uh because not only does she call them out on it he goes well we just closed ranks i was like i know you do you assholes yeah oh my god look look we are tasked to like troy and barnaby however i am always skeptical of the police at any given time so this whole episode just made me antipathetic toward them i'm like well fuck it minus one scene one scene Mm -hmm. made me like troy but not as a cop as like i would like this dude if he were a human (laughs) yeah yeah so anyway it turns out that sarah and simone have been together for five years they were together before she was with her ex-boyfriend vince they were together before she was with Alan Hollingsworth. They've been together this whole time. And Sarah moved to this village to be with Simone. Like, okay, guys. Fine. Okay. So they end up, the next thing they end up doing is going to question Harry Valacourt. Velicott. Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. His name's Harry. They go question him. And... This is such a conceit of filmmaking. It's Barnaby goes, do I detect a family resemblance? No, you don't fucking detect a family fucking resemblance. (sighs) These two men look nothing fucking alike. The casting director didn't try. (laughs) Didn't do his job. Yeah, I I was confused with that. I was like, do you? With whom? With Nigel? Like, that was the closest. That was the closest man that I thought of. I was like, are you going to be like, okay, that's fine. 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 Right? They look nothing fucking alike. No. What? This this entire episode is very much, we have to tell you all the things because we are too stupid to put it any other way. Yes. Oh my God. Once again, it could not, it might have been a bad book. It, you know... After how well the last episode went, with Caroline Graham writing it, I maybe I'm just so critical of this one because the last episode I liked so much. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Definitely. Possibly my second favorite scene. So Troy's back on his stakeout, and uh, he's watching TV, and he sees Barnaby doing literally the most awkward APB for the car that killed Simo- uh, killed the br- killed yeah. Brenda. Oh, God. He should not be on television. Which is funny. He's acting like he's bad on television on television, which is great. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. That was that was pretty good. But Nigel's sneaking around. So we see Nigel sneak around. Uh, we also see Cully go over to Frida and Bunny's to invite them to the theater. Yes. Um, and they refuse to let her inside. <laughs> They're airing out the house. Old people and marijuana is like the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I I live in Colorado. I am severely allergic, and if my mother wanted to take up smoking pot, I'd be she's sixty eight. I'd be totally okay with it. Like, cool. <laughs> I I can't. I would have to take an antihistamine before coming to your house. But do it. It's fine. And I'm sure she smoked because once again, she's sixty eight, and she lived in Germany. And, uh, <laughs> like, her first boyfriends were, like, Turkish marijuana dealers. Hash dealers. Not even marijuana. Hash dealers. So, like, my mother was a wild child. <laughs> I am literally the most boring person ever. 
when you compare me with what my mother was doing. Not at my age, because at my age, she was, you know, she settled down a bit. But, like, in her teens and 20s, my, her parents sent her to, like, a military academy because she was so wild. I am a, I am a boring, boring child. But anyway, old people in marijuana make me laugh. Oh, yeah. And this they, these two were great. Yeah. I loved Frida and Bunny. They were yeah. absolutely the best part of this episode. Yeah, I think so, too. With their, with their, um, with their uh, walkie-talkies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, finally, Troy and Barnaby go around next day to talk to Hollingsworth. I forget why, honestly, at this point. But at this, they, you know, they have to go inside and they find the door open and Kenny looks like he's passed out skunk drunk. But he's dead. Yes. Yeah, you know, they kind of flash the lab really quick, and George is like, oh, don't worry, it's murder. Don't worry. It's it's murder. It's fine. Everything is murder. So they go, you know, they set about trying to solve his murder, of course. Troy didn't see Nigel Anderson, but Frida did. Mm -hmm. Um, So they go question him, and they saw Alan pull more money out of his toilet. Yes. A classic, a classic spot. Yeah, I guess actually, I've seen that a couple of in times. the in the tank. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so they surmise that this is more ransom money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while they're talking to him, they somebody has found Vince's car, and by finding Vince's car, they then find Vince. Yes, and they pull him in for questioning, and of course, he doesn't talk. So Barnaby sends Troy to buy a present for Joyce because, you know, it's come up that it's her birthday at some point in this episode. Mm -hmm. It didn't, as far as I could tell. Like, I certainly did not realize it was Joyce's birthday. No, it didn't. It didn't come up at all. But the entire reason he's doing this is because Troy is fucking homophobic and he needs to go talk to Sarah Lawton. Yes. We're four out of four episodes now. Yeah. Yeah. Where Troy's homophobia has been a plot point. Yep. They don't... Like, this is actually almost more of a character... This is more of a character trait than his bad driving. Yes. Because he was an okay driver in this episode. (laughs) They make note of that, actually. He has achieved character growth in driving before he has achieved character growth in being a good person. Yep. Sounds about English. (laughs) That's the name of the episode. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But Barnaby does go ahead and go talk to Sarah and does some more interviews with her. Is this the line? Is this where he says it's not a crime to love someone? Or is that later? Yeah. Yeah, this is it. It's not a crime to love someone. Because she's always, she is very aware of Troy's opinion of her. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, she's also aware of the middle-class English opinion of homosexuality. It's just not done. Especially Mm -hmm. in village life. Like, it's it's absolutely not done. Yes. And Sarah's offering him some tea, and he's like, oh, I'll go get the milk. And 
That's when he sees chicken in the fridge, and it's been previously established that Sarah is a vegetarian. Oh, we never pointed out that Cully is dating Nico from last episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's in a play. Yes. That's the one that she invited Frida to. Yes. At the end of the play, Frida comes into the back room. She congratulates Cully. She sees champagne in a bucket, and she thinks it's for her. And it's for Joyce. And she gets all weepy, and she talks about how much she misses Simone because Simone was so good at makeup. And again, hitting you in the face with a brick. Yes. Because this is actually the big ta-da moment. For Barnaby in the episode. Yep. And it's like the least fucking subtle thing in the entire universe at this point. Like, she's even, like, staring into a mirror and, like, reciting her little monologue about how good... Simone is at makeup and how she worked for this cosmetic company and whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Barnaby can't sleep. They go talk to Felicity, determine that she can't have actually killed Brenda because she's been sleeping with Gray, like all of the other housewives in this village. There is always the one. There's always yeah. the one. Nathan could have been the one, but no. <laughs> <laughs> he really wasn't uh, and I don't know so Grey is what's but the thing about Grey is he looked like he had eyeliner on all the time because he had such yeah. thick eyelashes so of course that's but they were also blonde instinct. that's instant they were cabinet. thick blonde in mm. eyelashes and I yeah. was like oh I don't know if I'm into it I'm not into it well I didn't I didn't see it he's not my type <laughs> actually no still not my type no. <laughs> no. So anyway, they go eliminate Felicity and they're walking back into Barnaby's house and Barnaby's like, oh, I'll get you breakfast. And Troy's like, is Cully home? And he's like, yeah, who do you think was going to get you breakfast? I'm like, God, fuck you, Barnaby. Fuck you. Well, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> that was my wine glass. It did break. No, no, I figured it out. <laughs> oh, that was my wine glass. It it just uh, fell. Was there any wine in it? No. <laughs> uh, well, good. I'm glad that nothing broke and everything's fine. Um, it just, it also landed right next to the microphone. <laughs> Which is on the floor. Oh, gosh. Um, well, anyway, classic. so they're walking back into this house. Yes, classic. They're walking back into Barnaby's house, and Simone gets dumped out of a car. She's alive! So Barnaby is like, okay, I'll take you down to the station. Let's go get Sarah so she can see you at the station so you can get cleaned up and give your statement and the whole thing. So while Barnaby is talking to those two at the station, Troy runs back to Sarah's house. Without a warrant. Of course. And he's seeking, you know, searching through her house without a warrant. Yep. Stumbles on the secret room where Simone has been kept without a warrant. Rifles through their underwear drawer without a warrant. Yep. So Simone's giving her whole story about what happened while she was kidnapped, what her kidnappers looked like, etc., etc., 
Meanwhile, Barnaby's like, yeah, no, you're full of shit. And so he explains what actually happened, which was that Simone and Sarah conspired alongside Vince to fake a kidnapping and extort Alan for 300,000 pounds of ransom money. And he's trying to get Simone to confess that she's the one who killed Brenda because she was driving the car. Yes. But in the meantime, he does manage to get Sarah to confess to killing Alan. And the entire reason that Sarah killed Alan was that she thought he had been beating Simone, which yes. is a fact that some that uh, Felicity had told us earlier in the episode as well. But lo, it turns out that Simone was faking her bruises all along because she's a master manipulator. Yes. So fucking lazy. This is lazy. This is just lazy. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, and in this I will blame on the book. Like, this isn't great. Yeah. You can only do so much with the material given to you. But also, I think there was this moment of... ITV also did the Miss Marple miniseries. Mm-hmm. And they veered wildly from the books. And I mean so wildly that upon rereading, you're like, none of this happened. Absolutely <laughs> Like, not even... Not a single thing. If we do Miss Marple, yeah. Like... So ITV has this reputation of getting these miniseries or getting these books and then wildly rewriting them. So I guess they had the source material and were like, we can't do jack shit with it. I mean, here it is. They rewrote it. Oh, they rewrote it and it's this bad. Uh, so anyway, he tries to get, uh, Sarah to give up Simone. She won't. He tries to get Vince to give up Simone. She won't. He won't. And, yeah, he won't. Whatever. I don't give a fuck at this point. That's correct. Um, I'm like half a bottle of wine in and I hated this episode. Spoilers, I hated this episode. Um. (laughs) As did I, sir. And, and to top it off about what I hated about this episode, Cully snitches on Bunny and Frida. Yes. Which is ridiculous because everyone at Cambridge was on something. Well, I mean, she, that's how she knew about the pod. Yeah. Like, let's be real. But, like, also, who does that to your fucking cop dad? Well, she's white, so... They don't get the don't snitch conversation that black kids get. <laughs> you don't call the cops. Fucking color. And, you know, you don't get involved. Unless someone's Don't getting, snitch on the geriatrics. Unless someone's getting stabbed. And that's even and, questionable. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cully's white and the daughter of a cop. So, of course she would turn that in. Fucking Cully. This episode. Least favorite character in this episode. I Cully. feel like I feel like I don't like her very much in general. Right? Like, I don't like Cully very much at all. And it's, you know, prejudice from my years at Cambridge. And her, really, it's, it's a double whammy. <laughs> it's a double whammy. She gets better in late, no, does she? She does. She does. I think she does. She tries harder. I don't know. She becomes a bad, she also becomes a better actress. Yes, that is true. That is true. This is, I think, the only episode we see that gets an epilogue. Yes. 
So not after Colleen narks on Bunny and Frida, we get like a three months later snapshot, yep. which was very disconcerting. Troy goes to visit Sarah in the women's prison. Yes. She has fallen on her sword for Simone. Yes. He tells her that Simone and Vince are married and that they're living in a threesome with some other chick. And later she flips on it. And so I guess we get assumed justice. Yes. Which one out of four, I guess, ain't bad. I know. The only thing I liked about this episode, literally, was Troy's X-Files poster. I didn't even notice that. He, um, he gets woken up. And I don't remember when. Mm. He gets woken up. Right before they go visit Felicity. Yes. And he has an X-Files poster on his wall. Classic 90s. And the comforter that he's choosing is the exact same comforter that my parents had on their bed. <laughs> and I was like, what, are they, what the fuck is this 90s? Like, I was like, oh my god. Um, but that was literally the only thing I liked about Troy as a human being is that he really loved the X-Files. And, <laughs> and he sleeps in his just boxer briefs. I mean, maybe there's hope for him yet if he likes the X-Files, right? Yes. Also where we see that he's actually quite slim. Yes, that's true. Let's bring back the Trink toy, Troy theory. Yes. The Trink, the Trink Troy? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the Trink Troy. I very clearly hated this episode. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at all. I didn't. It. I felt like it cheapened a lot of what we gained from the last episode. Mm. Um, again, it had a gay representation, but the first time that they tackled lesbians, one of them is a murderer and the other is a manipulative bitch. Yes. Um, what, you mean lesbians aren't like that? Wait, 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 wait. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> lesbians aren't murders and manipulative bitches? No, News not in my experience. News they do, me. Uh, they do play a mean game of croquet from my recent experience. Um, but that's about it. That's all I know. Um, I do also, I do, and sometimes they live in yurts. But again, I live in practically Boulder, so. I was, I was, I was literally about to say, you live in like white people bastion. <laughs> I do. <laughs> like, cultural appropriation is not surprising. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not even a, an appropriation thing. It was more of a, like, this is a good temporary housing. The Mongolians did a very good job designing this thing, and I would like to live here in it because it's a similar environment. I suppose, but... Yeah. 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 Anyway, this episode was awful. I'm glad we're over. I'm glad we're past this hump. Yeah, yeah. In Summer Murders. Did you figure it out? Um. Well, the dramatic irony certainly helped. Yeah. Once you found out that Vince and Simone had been dating, yeah, then it was like, okay, cool. No, I figured out, like, this is actually one of the very few episodes I remember very specifically. I figured out very quickly that they were in it together. Oh. Um, I don't know what it was that pinged me about it. I don't remember now, like, when the first time through watching. But, like, I knew the entire fucking time that Sarah and Simone were in on it together. Mm -hmm. The entire time. 
Like, I think even the first time they were like, oh, they're lesbians. I was like, in on it together. Ah. Fake kidnapping. Like, I knew that's where exactly where this was going. And it pissed me off a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. And once again, it's the creator of the show. Yeah. But probably. also, yeah. it was probably in the book. Yeah, it was probably in the book. <laughs> I'm going to set myself homework and read these. <laughs> so, hopefully in happier things, did you like your wine? Okay, so here's the problem with smoking loon. When you open an unoaked Chardonnay and smell it, it smells like vomit. <laughs> I was not looking forward to drinking this wine. I'm glad I only spent $6 on it. Then I tried it, and I was like, holy shit, it's delicious. It's actually very good. It, don't smell it. It's one of the few white wines that you actually... <laughs> Need to, and it, it's not even corked. It's a screw top. <laughs> like, There's no literal difference between a screw top wine and a cork top wine. There isn't, but wines that have a cork can be corked, which causes the vomit smell. This it's didn't fair. have that excuse. This is one of the few white wines that I would suggest actually airing before you pour. Open it and keep it in one of those cool things, like you keep champagne in. And then mm-hmm. pour it. Because if you open it to smell it, it's bad. But it's actually really, really good. Like, it's a really good one. So, out of ten. Uh, seven and a half. They really need to do something about that first smell. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they could possibly do, but it's bad. Seven and a half for the experience. Nine for the actual wine. Like, the taste of the wine. There you go. Oh, and also seven and a half for the slightly racist label on the back. What? Um, okay, so the wine itself is called Steelbird. Mm-hmm. And on the back on the back of it, um, it has this little like flavor text. It doesn't tell you fucking anything about the wine, but it has this like this excerpt from this novel. I don't even remember what it was. But they used AAVE. Uh, African-American vernacular English in the excerpt of this novel, and I'm like, uh-uh. Maybe, maybe it was it a novel by a black person? I don't know. I didn't look. Actually, no, I I know it's not a novel by a black person thinking about it. So yeah. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, hey. Okay, let's work on this. Anyway. <laughs> It's, it's a, seven and a half. Yes. Uh, well, seven and a half to nine if you've let it air and you don't immediately smell it upon opening. <laughs> like, if you smell it on opening, it's going to ruin your experience. But if you just taste it in the glass, it's a nine. It's a definite nine. I enjoyed my Syrah, my Orleans Hill Syrah. Um, it's a little bit richer than I was uh, expecting, which is... Probably has nothing to do with the wine, but it has a lot to do with the fact that I drink pretty much almost exclusively Pinot Noirs anymore, mm-hmm. which are not particularly rich or full-bodied wine as a rule. But it has a lot of, it smelled really good coming out of the bottle, so like there's that. Um, and I mean, it definitely worked, because I definitely took my bra off in the middle of recording. I am sitting in my panties because it's fucking hot. <laughs> Troy! I know, it's hot! Because I have to turn my air conditioning off to record this. 
<laughs> no, I know. I know. I was just making that reference that that, that was Troy's nickname at school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. That's called a callback, Sabrina. It's called a callback. Well, yeah, not my kind of humor, darling. <laughs> anyway, you can find our official Twitter at Wine and Murder. Or sorry, at Wine Murder Night. And you can find my Twitter at Classlicity. And you can find me at SDM Rights. Although, side note, if you are someone who runs a vlog about single women trying to find the perfect man, please don't do that. Please don't follow me. Because that, <laughs> that happened this past week. A blog called Find the... I, I have to read this. It's called um, Help Me With Him. We're a blog dedicated to helping single women look for their man by providing you the simplest, most doable tricks. I'm like, you had to call me out like that. Hey, I'm single. <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. Anyway. Please download and subscribe our podcast. If you listen to us on iTunes, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Tell your friends that you like our podcast. We love you. Thank you so much. We're fucking hysterical. <laughs> we try. Uh, I would like to say thank you to Anton Korioka for his use, the use of uh, our theme song, Simple Life, off the album Restart or Restart, depending on how you capitalize things. Next time, we will be doing uh, the very last episode for us of Midsummer Murders. And that episode is season one, episode five, Death in Disguise, which means that the poll for what we will be watching next will be going up with the release of this episode, because that way we can tell you. So if you want to help decide what we review next on Wine and Murder Night, go to our Twitter. Please, please follow at Wine, and Mur- at Wine Murder Night, and we will be choosing from four different very fun options. We will talk to you next time.